Well, hello. It's been a long 24 hours, if you will, and welcome back to Twisted Tales with Faith. Lisa. And as promised, we are here to uh, discuss more awfulness. So I just put my mic down now, go back in the house, you just talk to yourself? No, you cannot. Um, so, uh, as you know, if you have not listened, this is part two. Part one was dropped 24 hours ago, and as usual, I usually do not do a trigger warning, but with this guy, I feel like I have to. Um, Part two does not get into every single trigger people have. Part one was especially bad. There will be no children mentioned in this one and no animals. So um, there's a, well, I mean animals, but not like it was last time. So um, a little bit better, but. Silver lining for me, Right. So, the last time we, when we left off yesterday, um, Jablonski had just been sentenced to jail after raping a mother in front of her eight-month-old. And more, more, multiple, okay, let's pause. I'm going to edit that out. And after uh, multiple other horrendous happenings that we're not going to go into, because we've all lived through it once, and there's no reason to to do that we, to yeah, us we again. Don't need to reiterate that. So let's just jump right back into it. So Jablonski, um, Philip, Philip Carl Jablonski is in prison. And while there, um, he decided to take part of the pen pal program, which we are aware of from yesterday, since people would rather be with um, the Night Stalker. Thank right? you. I couldn't think of his name for the life of me. Yeah, Ramirez. Yes. Um, so, and through this, he started writing to a woman named Mary. Now, Mary had organized her church prayer group and had them all enter this program together just to give some encouragement and some, you know, um, uplifting thoughts and let people who are incarcerated know that um, they were there. So this lady was trying to do a good thing, you know. Um, but she, 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 her, she was matched with uh, Carl here, Philip Carl. And when he was released from prison, he invited Mary to come visit him, which she agreed to do in person, visit him, but made it very clear from the beginning she was not there for any kind of sexual relationship. There would be no sexual hanky-panky. Did she know what he was in there for? You know, I feel like I did not. I was going to try to research it, but I I ran out of time. Um, I feel like if you're going to be part of the pen pal program, I feel like it should be the prison like because they read all the letters right i feel like it should be their obligation to let you know what that person's done so you don't get a carl a philip carl he went by carl the last few things i i was reading and looking at and carl stuck in my head he seems like a carl (laughs) anyway um but anyway she told him there's gonna be no hanky panky she's coming over solely as a friend to support him just the same as she did in written form in prison. That was it. So she goes and she visits him. Everything is going well, I guess. To I mean, we only have... Obviously, we don't have like a full picture of everything that happened. But on the third day of her visit, uh, Philip told her because she had been so sincere and so honest and just, I guess, pure of heart, if you will, like she treated him with more like humanity and respect than anyone else ever had so he he's gonna be honest with her right 
Um, and he said, uh, this is exact quote what he told her. A week before you arrived, I dug your grave. I can show you the grave if you want to. It's just in the backyard here. So um, he, he planned to kill her, but, and, and this is still his statement, he planned to kill her, but because she was so nice and sincere with him, he decided not to go through it. What a great guy. Like, that's casual dinner talk, right? Oh, hey, you've been real honest and nice, so I just want to tell you truth. There's a hole in the backyard with your name on it. Right. But I'm not going to use it now, so don't no, worry. Yeah. We can still be BFFs. What would your reaction be to that? I run. Right? Quickly. Right? Well, apparently not hers. Because on the fourth day, she stayed another night with him after this. She woke up to find Philip standing there over just staring at her. And she looks at him and he says, let's have sex. She politely declines because, again, just that night, got a hole in the backyard with your name on it. So he continues to ask over and over. Different, different, I guess, phrasings, different, maybe higher pitch, lower pitch. I don't know what he did, but he continued to ask over and over, let's have sex. I'm sure it was not that um, koshery phrased. And Mary continued to decline, I'm sure, as politely as possible, because in my mind, I'd be like, I'd say some explicitive words to him. After uh, the first, like, three asks. I never would have stayed the night again after the whole Right? Thing, but, I mean, let's just. But on the other hand, um, he, he does have a hole with your name on it in the backyard. So, you're, it's a pickle, Mary's in. Yeah. It's a pickle. Um, eventually, Mary allows Philip, from what she says, allows Philip to tie her hands and feet with knitting yarn. I guess... She still said that she said she wouldn't have sex with him. Maybe there was like a line she would go to. It was never disclosed that I could find because I looked. But why? Why? I can't. Okay, number one, I don't understand why she stayed another night after he says there's a hole. I dug your grave. Number two, you were with a known murderer, criminal, rapist that just got out of prison who's got a hole again that he dug to put your dead body in. And you say, you can tie my hands and feet? Yeah. And somebody hypothesized, well, maybe they said knitting yarn because it's easily easy to break. It was a man, and you know that statement because because knitting yarn is not easy to break. That stuff's like four fibers woven together, and you just pull. Like, it doesn't just shred. So anyway, he ties her up, and he leaves her there and comes back with a straight razor. Yeah, but this is going to... Um, he uses that straight razor to shave her downstairs and then puts a pillow over her head and presses down. Nice. Now, rem wow. remember, he tried to kill his, his first wife five times unsuccessfully. Right. And tried to smother her multiple times. Second wife, he also tried to smother multiple times. Right. So as he's putting this pillow over her head, she starts to struggle for a moment and just said she decided to play dead. And when she goes limp and stops struggling... Philip just leaves the room and, I guess, goes to bed. The next morning, which again? She's still there. Why? Why? Because she was tied up and couldn't get out. I don't know, but um, Mary gets up. I guess she makes breakfast, makes him a... Okay, so she's untied now. Yeah, yeah, no, no, she's untied. She makes him a spot of tea. Her phone is buzzing, so she takes a phone call, and what, you know, there is a... 
a family emergency. Her daughter's at her house, something, the grandbaby's blue, something. She's got to go now. And so she leaves and, and um, left his lair, if you will. Mary's not the brightest bulb, but she's alive. And he let her go. Wow, that's... But czar? Yes. Bizarre for... Both accounts. Lack of a better word? I, There's I no, don't know what you call that. It's a psychological phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a, yeah, yeah, yeah. So February 1977, he meets a lady named Linda Kimball through her husband. But Philip and Linda start up a very heated affair, during which he tells her, at one point, if I was your husband and you ever tried to leave me, I'd kill you. And he, he told her this in a letter form. Okay. So, um, by August, Linda had left her husband and was living with Philip, and in December, she gives birth to Philip's fourth child, another girl, which... I'm not going to say any of the children's names. Um, and Linda's mother, Isabel uh, Falls, P-A-H-L, Paulus, Paulus, lived nearby. So they get married in January, uh, in February 1977. July 6, 1978, about a year and a half into marriage. Um, the baby's six months old at this point because the baby was born in December. Isabel Pauls, the mother-in-law, wakes up in the middle of the night because she kind of, you know, you get that feeling something's wrong. So she wakes up, and Philip is right there, is on top of her, and only his underwear, and he has a knife to her throat. And he told her he, he had come to rape her, but he, he just couldn't go through with it because he told her that when he looked at her face, he could only see Linda's face, and so he just couldn't do it. So Isabel is able to escape and runs to a neighbor's house, but decides not to report him to the police for the sake of her daughter, not wanting her daughter to have a, a child whose father's in prison, basically. And really, you know, he didn't do anything, right? Yeah, uh, I don't like this story, babe. No, because he should have been put in jail so many times. He never so many been, people. He never should have been released. No, so many people should have arrested him or, or should have reported him. I know. So July, oh, we've already been to July. So Linda finds out about this attack and promises her mother she'll make sure Philip gets help at the VA hospital. Um, and after the attack, while it was not reported, while Isabel did not call the police and report it to the police, she does call the VA hospital because he's a vet and talks to a Dr. Kopaloff there and tells her everything that happened because she's the, the psychiatric doctor at the VA hospital who's her daughter's trying to get an appointment for Philip to go meet up with, right? Um, so she tells her everything that happened. Dr. Kopaloff tells her not to call the police. You did the right thing in that. You do not want to antagonize him. It's best for your daughter to have a father for her child, yada, yada. Assures Isabel that the VA will take care of this issue. This is according to Isabel. Linda did not really believe this um, when Isabel says, hey, I talked to the doctor. Here's what she said. They're going to help him. They're going to, they understand everything that's going on. And Isabel's just like, that's not, that's not going to happen because she's already taken him to the VA multiple times at this point due to erratic behavior. And Philip asked her to take him to the VA multiple times because he wanted to get help 
and he was having all these thoughts and voices and flashbacks, but the VA just refused to admit him. Okay. So this VA hospital has already turned him away multiple times. Actually, two days before the attack on Isabel, the VA turned him away. And so when the mom tells Isabel, uh, when Isabel tells her daughter, Linda, hey, they're going to help. She's like, no, they're really not. Because this is right after Vietnam. Right. This is, I mean, the, the vets were just yeah. mentally traumatized. Yes. So through all this, um, Linda decides that she needs to leave Philip. Great. Shocker, After she's right? already warned that you would die. So she takes the baby and moves in with her mom, Isabel, which again is like a mile, mile and a half down the road. And again, he knows where the mom lives, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So on July 16th, Linda returns to her apartment to get the rest of her and the kids' stuff that she'd left there. And um, later that day is found dead in that same apartment. Her wrists are bound. She's been badly beaten, stabbed, and strangled with a men's belt. Her clothing has been ripped and torn off of her, and the cause of death was officially ruled asphyxiation. Asphyxiation. Yeah, that's how you say it, right? Asphyxiation. I don't know. It sounds weird in my head. All right. So... Police, um, once the body's found and reported, police obviously want to have a little chitty chat with uh, Jablonski here. I mean, number one, it's his ex-wife. Right. Number two, it's in his apartment. Number three, it's his M.O. Right. Um, Unfortunately, Jablonski's gone. Really? I know. (laughs) Didn't see it coming. So he's on the run. And he is on the run in California. Here, he finds a woman named Eileen Millsap through an ad in a paper because she was selling her stove. Like a Craigslist type of deal, right? Okay. Um, He shows up to the house, and she's there alone with her two small children. Awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. He picks up her three-year-old son and holds a knife to his throat and tells Eileen, get in the bedroom and strip. He um, follows her into the bedroom, still holding the knife to her three-year-old son's throat. He gets on top of her and he chokes her with her two children in the room watching this. And she eventually loses consciousness. Again, with a crazy person in the room on top of her and her two small children are in the room. She's blacked out. When she comes back to, her wallet and purse are gone, along with, thankfully, Philip. But her clothes have not been moved anymore she was not assaulted, so honestly, she kind of, I mean, while mentally traumatized, she dodged a huge bullet with this guy. Right. Um, later, one of her credit cards are used to buy gas a couple miles down the street. So, in a letter, which, you know, do I need to warn everyone again about Philip's letters? No. Okay. In a letter, Philip describes this time, and again, I know we just said I don't need to describe it. I'm sorry, but I just want to show you his thought process and his recollection viewing back. Also, um, while we know a lot of things that happened from the few that reported him, there's a lot we will never know on this guy. Oh, I'll bet. Besides through his writings. So, this is his letter. It went on and on about um, a bunch of just random stuff that I decided to cut out because it, we don't need to talk about nipples that much. So here it goes. See, I would take my dates to Lover's Lane overlooking the University of El Paso. 
While others were kissing, hugging, and cuddling their dates, mine were busy sucking me, fucking me, or I was sodomizing them. Sorry, guys. See, I was on the run from killing my third wife and raping a housewife while her infant daughter and son, leaving her for dead, but she survived. I was driving down the main street of El Paso when I picked up a woman hitchhiker. She got in the car, and she did not know she was getting to the car of death. I gave her a tour of El Paso since I was stationed there during my time in the service. I brought her to a canyon where I raped my second wife on our first date and lured her to an isolated field. I had a 22 caliber rifle in my trunk of the car and told her I wanted to do some target practice. She didn't know she was going to be one of my targets. I picked up some tin cans and we shot at them. She got bored and stood at a dirt mound with her back to me. I took careful aim and pulled the trigger. The bullet hit her in the back of the head. She spun around and looked her killer in the eye before she fell. I walked up to her and she was dead. Her face was completely purple. Pulling her off and, and again, I'm sorry. Pulling her off the dirt mound, the ground helped me strip her. Her blouse came off first, then her bra revealing her large breast. Then I pulled her a fair distance from the mound. I stripped her the rest of the way and rolled her over to sodomize her. To, I'm sorry. To sodomize the slut. But it looked like she had shit her pants, so I did not. I popped out her eyes, then severed her nipples and ate them. I went through her belongings and found $50. So in a sense, she paid me to murder her. She was a 20-year-old woman from Florida. I kept her bra and panties as a souvenir. I drove over to Lover's Lane. He just said she shit herself. Yeah, but he he kept poop underwear. I know. I didn't. I didn't think that. Nasty. That's the part that he ate her nipples and keeping shatty underwear bothers you. This guy. It's guy's, not like that. It's not like that. The guy. It's, the fact that this guy breathes air bothers me. I know, but it's just like there is no. But yeah, yeah. I know. There's just nothing about this that no kosher, pleasant. Normal, acceptable, so many things, so many things. So um, I drove over to Lover's Lane, overlooking El Paso, to the Lover's Lane I knew, and found a young girl standing there looking down at the university with her back to me. I was parked across from her and had a rifle in the seat of my car. I picked it up and took careful aim and hit her in the back of the head. She slid down the stone wall and I walked up to her. She was still alive and said, please don't kill me. I stripped her, bent her over the wall, and sodomized her. Then I picked up my rifle and shot her in the head, picked her up, and threw her over the wall into a deep ravine. She went over the wall and looked like she was flying. I picked up her clothes, my gun, shoved them into the back of my car with the other bra and panties, and drove back to California. I I know you keep stopping because you want to respond. No, there's honestly, it's just... Like- I what need do to get, you say? I need to get the vomit out of the back of my mouth. And we, huh. and these were letters that he wrote while he was in jail? Oh, yeah. You can literally. So this was can, after he had gotten arrested the second time. This is the first time. He got arrested the first time and went to jail for the rape of um, the Martha and her two, the dog training situation. So these letters were out there of him confessing to murdering these oh, women. Oh, I'm sorry. And these he are, was released. No, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. These are murders this, the, the next time. Like, he's only been in jail at once at this point, and right. I'm, I'm reading you letters that recount, Before he yes. was arrested, 
these, so we're yes. kind of like, okay, we're, I get it. I he just he wrote sure these letters in the future in the pen pal program, but it is the only way to know glimpses of what he did during this time at points. I got if that makes sense. Sorry, I got I confused myself. No, it's all right. Um, and in the letter, and I'm just gonna tell you, I say that we put all the gruesome details. There's some that we don't need, right? I agree. Let's agree. So the rest of the letter. Lots of things I don't need to hear. Nope. And apparently I lied. The rest of the letter I'm gonna summarize without details for the most part. Um, he also claimed that while on the run on his way back to California, he kidnapped a six-year-old boy from a hotel. You said no more kids. I know. I said I lied. I you just said, said no I more lied. kids. I said I lied. So you said no more kids. I'm getting... Skip it. But there's one part of you it. You lying. I, I, there's no details in this besides he stole the six-year-old boy from a hotel, sodomized him, killed him, cut off his penis, and saved it as a souvenir, but decided to eat it instead. Okay, I thought you said you were skipping gory details. That's his, I'm, as I'm, soon as you said six-year-old He goes kid. on for a page describing every second nope. of what he did to that child. So, um, also, he stated he picked up a 15-year-old gay hitchhiker. He took him to a motel and kept him there for a few days since there was a snowstorm, nothing else to do. And he eventually strangled him to death. And while he was strangling this 15-year-old kid to death, he's talking to his mom on the phone about the weather plans for the summer who knows um and then severed you this. still said no more kids and you need then severed this kid's penis and also consumed it so okay uh, okay so let me just stop right now and ask like did he say these things just for the shock factor or was he really that mentally disturbed okay. like because I've heard you know a lot. I mean? I, that's why like, I'm telling these yeah. guys get a, a, a dose of what they consider to be fame. Yeah. Right. In their horrendous actions. Yeah. I'm sure they blow things out of proportion. I don't that, know. To me. I think. And and I've listened. I've listened to a lot of accounts of this. I've read a lot of stuff. I've read a lot of news articles and everything else. Unfortunately, I've read a lot of his letters. Um and it is like a 50-50 split where some people think he did every single thing he described and probably more. Yeah. And then some people think he embellishes, but mm. there is a hint of truth to what he says he does. And some people think he's just completely BSing. Like, for instance, in that story before, he talks about how he raped a mother in front of her infant son and daughter. But she said that she, she didn't said think he didn't. Happened. So is that the same woman or a different woman? Right. You don't know. But I think that there is a good chunk of truth, if not the whole truth, because he's a sadistic, just Psychopath. awful, yes, horrible person. So all of that that I just described happened in the 11 days from when he killed Linda. That's an 11-day spree. And when he's finally caught and arrested in Arizona, um, he is finally caught and arrested in Arizona. During his arrest, the police found a note in his own handwriting in the car stating, Killed to date, Linda Kimball, common law wife. I told her she would never raise our daughter alone or leave me alive. Or leave me alive. She begged me not to kill her. You screamed, but it was cut short. Owed to her? Okay. So at Linda's, because Linda died, Isabel, um, her mother, got custody of their daughter. However, his his parents 
that we discussed in the first episode. You remember those gyms? Yeah, they were great people. They sued for custody. Wow. Of that baby. Right, because they did such a good job the first time around. Right? Let's wing it again. Well, the court thankfully ruled against them. And because I love a saucy judge, the judge stated he would not send this or any child to live in an environment that raised Philip. A good day, sir. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Bum, bum. <laughs> if, you, if you know, you know. So, oh, Philip is sentenced to 12 years in prison for Linda's murder. In 1982. 12 years. 12 years. Sure, 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 yep. And this was, wait, I'm sorry, the year was 70? Uh, 79-ish, I think. Hold okay, on. so, like, we should have known better by now. I would think so. Um, I, I mean, I would hope so, but apparently not. Um, uh, I'm sure white he males killed, in the he 70s killed, and 80s got, got a lot yeah. more. Yeah. He killed Linda Kimball in mm-hmm. 1978. I believe he was caught and arrested 1979. So, pushing the 80. Um, so, he's sentenced to 12 years in prison. And in 1982, while in prison, guess what he decides to do? Kill himself. If... Only. Why can't I just win once? Right? Like, it would just be nice to know that he's dead. No. He decides to put out an ad for a pen pal. And through this, he meets Carol Spadoni. Okay. Who lives with her mother, Eva Peterson. Philip describes the two women, and th- this is his direct quote. They were hermits. Carol was really ugly and anorexic. When I hug her, it's like hugging a skeleton. She weighed 60 pounds. Wait, so they, like, went to visit him? Oh, yeah. She weighed 60 pounds. She had one, she had one silicone titty. One was smaller. My main focus was on Eva. She was real gorgeous for being 56 years old. She had huge breasts and medium-sized ass cheeks. I told Eva I would fuck and sodomize her someday. Wow. Yep. And later that year, in 1982, in the San Quentin Chapel, Philip Jablonski and Carol Spadini were married. Um, Remember Eva, that he said that about, is her mother. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Just want to make I'm sure. No, I'm still following. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, July 1985, Philip... Oh, that was the year I was born. It was. Can't believe it wasn't dead yet. <laughs> yeah, so many comments. I'm, I'm... Anyway, July 1985. Oh, right there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is when you were, you arrived. Um, Philip's parents come to visit him in prison for a 72-hour family visit. So when these things happen, they basically set them up in like a trailer that's secure where they get to live and visit and have dinners. Okay, okay, so he's like out of prison. But he's, no, he's in prison. But prisons do these family visits where they've got like trailers on site. I don't know, it's the the weirdest thing. But I've heard this in multiple stories. Like they've got a, a, a trailer on site that basically the family gets to go stay for however long's allowed allotted. You eat as a family, you enjoy your time together, play board games. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why this is allowed, but it is. I think I might. I, I think I'm gonna have to keep my mouth shut because it's might, probably best. I might, I might start getting to that point where yep. you're like Lisa. Oh no, save it for later. Okay. So they come for a 72 hour family visit. During this visit, Bill up ends up attacking his mother. Because his mother or his, the mother-in-law? No, no, his mother. His own mother. His own mother. Because he is angry 
and enraged that his mother and father did not bring Carol, his wife, to this visit. So he attacks his mother, starts choking her out, and dragging her to the bedroom, which, God Almighty, you don't want to go there with him. His mom is yelling for help, fighting, clawing, and his father hears, comes to her rescue, and Philip's literally choking her, trying to kill her as the father, like, beats him off and saves his wife. I mean, how old is this guy? I don't know, but aren't you... He had to have been, like, the crypt keeper by that point. Why would you... Don't don't you get extra time for trying to kill people while you're in prison? You would think. You would think. So, Carol um, apparently had an epiphany and decided she's made some poor life choices. No! Yeah, she did. And she told her friends that Philip was weird, but she was afraid of him. She didn't know what to do. She so didn't. she got a pen pal in prison. Uh-huh. Has no idea why he's behind bars, but based on the letters he writes, she had to have had a clue. Well, you, the letters he writes to the select um, people that he's going to bring into his Populous. web maybe are different. I'm assuming. I'm just saying. So. I mean, God, dude. Yeah. Uh, well. <clears throat> yeah. I don't even know. So he doesn't want to be in this relationship. She does not. Sorry, she doesn't want to be in this relationship anymore. But she's kind of stuck because he killed the last Uh, wife that tried to leave him. That's why he's in jail. Yeah. So. um, Why why would you marry a guy that you can't have a relationship with? I don't know. Why would you marry a guy that you possibly would want to leave when he's in prison for murdering his ex-wife? His last wife because she tried to leave him. But does she know that? She has to. Right, it was all it's over. Google. You would think it was all. We're in the we're in the nineties. There wasn't really like Google. I don't know when Google like at came that point, about. Yahoo was still like the thing. The thing, yeah. There was like AIMs and stuff. I guess so. that's when you got the CDs at the WalMarts for the free like instant. Yeah, so you can, yeah. Like, we could burn yeah. CDs. No, that's where you got the free AIM for seven days. You get the oh, CD, yeah. you know, load it, then you get another one. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. And that's why I'm sitting here. Oh, I'm yeah. like, oh my God, Napster. This, this, that hasn't popped into my head yeah. in a second. This story almost Plus, ruins... I need a mental break because you're a wowser. This story almost ruins the 90s for me. I want to let you know. No you way. know how I feel about the nope. 90s. Nope. The 90s were great. So, in the summer of 1990, Eva Peterson phones Richard Muniz, which is a mutual friend. He was in prison with Philip and became really good friends with Philip. And on the visits where Eva and Carol would go to visit Philip, they ended up meeting Richard, and they all became kind of friends. Richard has been released from prison, and they remain friends. Like, they live about an hour or two hours apart, so it's not, like, immediate danger, I guess. Yeah. But Eva calls him and asks him, can you come to the house? Can you come to my house? Richard says, sure. So he goes to her house, and she says, I need you to get all these boxes that Philip has had shipped here because he's coming up for parole soon. He thinks he's going to get out, and he also believes he's going to live here with us. And Eva explains to to Richard that they were afraid of Philip. They did not want him to come live with them. They don't want him on their property, actually, for any reason. Smart choice. And they just, they just don't, they don't need him coming there for any reason. They don't want to have anything to do with him. Just, they're gone. So, 
Muniz is, I mean, he's, he seems legit like a pretty good guy. He's obviously in prison for a reason, but, you know, hey, absolutely understand, gets all the boxes, brings them to his house and stores them in the garage for Philip to wait for when he's released. So Philip, um, as they're gearing up for parole here, asks, tells his parole officer he wants to live with his wife when he's released. That's where he's going to go. But Carol has already spoken to the parole officer, and she tells him, I don't want him nor does my mother want him moving into this house. We're afraid of him. We think he's going to hurt us. Nada. Ain't happening. We're not that support system. We're not your people. So in September 1990, which if you can do math, it's not 12 years, um, he's released from prison. I guess good behavior after trying to kill his mom. I don't know. Um, and, <laughs> right? So, and, and here's what kills me. The Department of Corrections at this time has a program, and they notated him as a Category J psychiatric inmate who received treatment, which included medication, and that needed to continue once he was on parole. Furthermore, the parole board was warned by a psychologist who had met multiple sessions with Jablotsky and stated to the parole board that they were concerned about this parole. And the exact quote is that while Philip Carl Jablonski is in remission, he could become actively psychotic at any time. Right, right. Stamp of approval, send him out to society. Well, okay, do you remember a while ago, I mean, this is years and years and years ago, was it, uh, was it, was it the peninsula? Yeah, here locally. That closed? And they, all the, like, the ones they considered to be, like, dangerous. Yeah. They, they moved to a different place, but, like, all the other, like, mentally ill people. Yeah. They literally just dropped them on the street. Right. The homeless population grew. Oh, yeah. The assaults grew. Oh, yeah. Like, they, I mean, they just, they don't care. They don't have anywhere to put them. No. So, no, um, he's released on parole. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like. What are you going to, like, clear the the space for? Like, who's worse? That's what I'm saying. So, you stupid bastard smoking right. your weed. Yeah. Put you in jail. Life. Mm-hmm. So Muniz goes to prison to pick up Jablonski from when he's released. And at this point, when they're driving home, he tells him, um, you're not allowed to go live with your wife. She doesn't want you anymore. Um, explaining that Eva is afraid of him and didn't want him on the property at all. So I've got your stuff. You're coming with me. So Philip goes to live with Muniz at his house for about the next week in Sacramento, California. Which sidebar? I don't know if I just got this off like Criminal Minds and SVU, but I didn't think when you're paroled, I didn't think you were allowed to associate with other known convicts. I didn't have time to look it up, but I didn't think that was a, I, th- I, I know it's an SVU and whatnot, but I thought that was like a real thing. I could I mean, be showing my ignorance like, as usual, but whatever. Once you're whatever. paroled, I don't... As but long you, as you check in and stuff, I mean... I guess, I mean, they can't monitor everything I you mean, do. short of, like, being on, like, sex registration or something along those lines. I mean, how many guys get out on parole and go right back to the gangs they were associated with? Right. So that, that I don't have an answer. <sighs> yeah. So after about a week of living with Richard Muniz... Um, he drives. Are you sure it's not Muniz? No, it's M-U-N-I-E-S, Muniz. Okay. So, um, and, and all the, like, the 
news reports and stuff. That that's okay. how, yeah. So anyway. It just seems. I, it's weird. Off. It could be. Um, after about a week, Richard drives him to a bus station, and he is off to Indigo, Cal- Indi- Indio, California to live. Um, once there, Philip meets with his parole officer for the first time. What or, a stand-up guy. Right. Way to check in, man. Mm-hmm. And he is given the conditions of his release. Like, they're going over, these are your rules and regulations. So he is forbidden from traveling over 50 miles away from the residence without written permission. He is forbidden to travel to Burlingame, California, which is where Eva and Carol live. And that pisses Philip off to no end. And um, Right, and this genuinely good citizen is just going to be like, okay, bud. Yeah. Honor system, promise, scout's honor. Yeah, scout's honor. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also required to participate in a counseling program. So November 1990, he goes to the VA hospital and meets with a psychologist there who does an intake exam of Philip. And Philip tells her that in the previous month and a half, he's hearing voices and seeing faces just like was happening to him right before he killed Linda Kimball, his second wife. Our third. I lose track at this point. Third wife. Um, he says that he's having flashbacks to Vietnam. He's seeing murder of his friends over there. All this, you know, woe is me, I'm the victim type of deal. The psychologist is well aware of his background and has reviewed his other visits to the VA hospital because this was a scheduled appointment from his parole. But apparently... Because Jablonski's just such a stand-up guy, decided to accept him as his word when Philip tells him, "I don't feel like hurting anyone right now, but I'll let you know if the desire to hurt people come back." Again, Scout's honor. <laughs> yep, I'm not. I wish some of this. I mean, you you literally can do nothing but laugh because really, the VA is very underfunded, especially right at this point. But yeah. Um, so she she does officially diagnose him with schizophrenia with a subdiagnosis of PTSD. She sets a treatment plan um, with these diagnoses, um, medication, different therapies. Also, you know, here's the thing that kills me. He says, I don't want to hurt anybody right now, but if I ever do, I'm going to let you know before so we can discuss it, right? Mm. And she lets him go, but immediately sets up precautions for all his follow-up visits so there's extra security around her. Yeah, she knows he's dangerous. Yeah! And then, but, you know, she, as long as she's safe, right? Then like, I guess apparently it doesn't really matter about anybody else. Yeah. However, in that, to her defense, she does write to his parole officer, tells everything from the appointment, and halfway through says that this halfway house that he's living in during his parole, that he does not need to sleep in a room with any other people because he can have a legitimate flashback of war and attack them in the middle of the night or because he feels like it and forgot to tell her. Yeah, nobody knows, right? Right. So, um, Christmas 1999. Philip meets with his parole off. 1999? Yeah, we're still 1999. I thought we were still in like 90s, early 90s. 19, oh, I'm sorry, 1990. Thank you. I was, I was okay, like, okay. we haven't even jumped a year. Why are you confused? Because I can't read numbers. <laughs> because I numbers can't read. are hard. This, um, never mind. Anyway, <laughs> Christmas 1990, month after the visit, Philip goes and meets with his parole officer. I mean, he's checked all the boxes, right? 
and says, you know, I, I would like permission to travel to Sacramento, California, to visit with Muniz. Spend the holiday with my friend. And I'm a, while I'm there, I'm going to get a driver's license, and that's it. And permission is granted. Um, the parole officer does actually make one smart decision and calls Carol and says, hey, just to let you know, Philip will be traveling to California. He's going to be about an hour and a half away from your residence for this, this spe- specified amount of time. Just want to let you know, he's coming. Okay. Um, so... Road trip. So Philip spends about a week with Muniz and complains the whole time that his mother-in-law, Eva, was preventing all his plans for him to move to Sacramento and them to bromance. Um, just the, every day's there, just that bee. She's, I had all these plans, these things. I was going to be in a loving relationship with Carol. She's ruined everything. And I guess Richard gets kind of sick of it, and he's like, man, if it bothers you that much, go appeal the decision. Go appeal your radius. Go ask for permission to move here. Like, we can bromance it up. Get a pool table. Foosball. I don't know what they do. Right. So, that's kind of there. He doesn't do the appeal. He goes back um, to Indigo. And in January 1991, he enrolls in an automotive class at a local community college, which was part of his parole requirements. Okay. So, he befriends a guy named there a guy there named Jim Lawrence who states that Philip was um, very intelligent, always there, really studious, and he tape recorded every class stage, every class session, like would record the whole thing to, I guess, re-listen to maybe something that was confusing or he didn't get at the time, wasn't sure, but he religiously recorded every class session. So they go to school together January to February, February to March, Rolls around to April um, 18th, 1991, and they're hanging out, buds. I mean, they go to class together, study together, you know, whatevs. And I do not know. I think that the fact that he is a parole person for murder and rape before, two times parolee, should be stated. Like, you know, they should tattoo it on his forehead, maybe. I don't know. Sounds good to me. But, you know, they're just buds. They're hanging out, you know, two single guys in community college together trying to make a a go with this automotive career, maybe, you know, talking about opening a garage together or something, you know, that kind of stuff, right? right? And as they're just small talking, Jim mentions that he's got a small handgun. And he doesn't really use it. He doesn't, you know, hasn't cleaned it in a while. Just however he mentions it. And Philip says, hey, let me buy it off you. And Jim's like, nah, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and keep it. A few days later, he's looking at it, and he's like, I've never shot this revolver the day since the day I bought it. I don't right. need it, but I can take that cash. So, you know, he says, you know what? You want it? You can buy it. Here's, I've got bullets. I've got a gun. All yours, buddy. So they, they, they make this transaction, which, again, he's not allowed to have a gun, uh-huh. but it's not registered. And so now he's out in the public still, but he's got a weapon. I'm sure it's registered to the other guy, I'm sure but it there's is. nothing legal of that transfer of gun. Mm-hmm. That was on April 18th. April 22nd, Philip um, goes to class, records the whole class, and after class, you know, kind of stays back and goes to his instructors and says, listen, I'm not going to be in class tomorrow because I've got a doctor's appointment and I can't miss it, but I'll be back the following day. So I'm just going to miss the one day. I'll let my parole officer know. He knows my doctor's appointment's no big deal, right? Probably ask someone to record the session. Who knows? Um, 
that night, Philip is seen by his classmates giving a ride home to Fathima Van, who goes by Fanny Hansen. She is a 38-year-old mother of two who is recently widowed. Crap bag. Yep. On April 23rd, the next day where he's supposed to be his doctor's appointment, he doesn't show up at class, but that's expected, right? Mm -hmm. But Fanny is a no-call, no-show to class, which is not like her. Like, she's now a single mother. She's trying to do better for her kids. Like, she's got goals and drive, and it's just not like her not to be there. But people, maybe a kid's sick, right? Could be. April 24th, the next night, um, Fanny's body is found on the side of the road in Indigo, California. The cause of death is ruled a gunshot wound, but we, you know, it's Philip, so that's not all. Her body is mutilated. Um, There are multiple stab wounds to her neck, abdomen, vaginal, and rectal area. Her ears and nipples had been amputated. A stab, there are several, like, stab wounds around her eyes. And um, after they've examined and they go to roll her on the cart, they see a carved... Into her back, with a knife, are the words, I, a heart, and Jesus. So she's sexually assaulted, shot, and mutilated. And left like trash. Um, in April 24th, 1991, same day, right? Yeah. Um, there is a man named Robert Glendale, and he lives in... Um, the same city as Carol and Eva, and they, the three of them are really good friends. Like, I'm not sure which one he liked, but I'm thinking it's one of them because the three of them go to, like, coffee and breakfast type of deal, like a brunch, like, at least three days a week. They go meet up and chit-chat and just socialize and, you know. Right. And it's, it's a regular thing. It's been going on for a while. And um, so April 24th, um, he calls the girls because he hasn't heard from them in a few days, and it's just not... It's it's like, not like them, but they don't answer. And he's like, you know what? Maybe they went on a little, a little day trip. Maybe they're out shopping. They just might've gotten busy. Who knows? Right. Um, Two days later, he still hasn't heard from them. And that's at this point, he would have heard something. Yeah. So he's concerned and he drives over to their house. When he pulls up, he notices that there are several days worth of newspaper lying on the front yard. And there's some packages stacked in the driveway. So that's not, that's not normal. It's a little disconcerting, but maybe there was a family emergency. They just left, right? You rationalize. So he walks up to the door, but it's locked. There's no answer. So he walks around the back of the house. And it's there he encounters a cage that has cats inside it. And it's not like, it's not like a... It's one of those, like, cat carriers, like the cage you put your animals in when you go to the, when you go to work. Like, nothing weird. Well, I mean, it's weird, but, like, nothing weird in the fact that it's there. It's usually there. But the cats have no food or water, and they don't look good. And they've not, obviously not been cared for. They've been in this cage a couple days. There's waste, if you will. And he knows these women. These are their pets. They love these cats. They would not treat their animals like this, right? Mm -hmm. So when he starts kind of putting everything together in his mind, just looking at these cats, there's all the newspapers, there's packages. And the thing is, they would not not care for their pets. Right. Like, even if there was a family emergency, they would have called someone, more than likely him, to say, hey, can you go 
Yeah. Empty the litter boxes. Feed and water the cats. We've got dogs in size going bonkers. Like, they love animals. They've got animals. They would have asked someone to take care of these, these pets. Um, so, at this point, Robert's like, you know what? I, I can't rationalize this. I can't make up excuses. Something's wrong. Something's not right. Guts. Gibbs guts going. I'm calling the police. So at 7.20, the police officers arrive at the residence, noting everything that was already related by Robert. They can hear dogs barking inside. They knock on the door. No one's there. But again, there's dogs. Maybe they can't hear. So they really pound on the door and nothing. So at this point, the officer decides to do a walk about the house. And he's looking for signs of forced entry. Broken glass. Maybe a window not shut all the way, a door that the hinges are screwed up or the door frame is kind of pulled off. You know, something that shows someone, yet. yeah, broken. Yet. But nothing is disturbed. Nothing looks wrong. And then when he gets to the side of the, because, you know, he's testing everything as he's going. And he, he finally gets to the side of the garage and there's a door leading into the garage. Like not the big door, but a side a regular yeah, yeah, yeah. door. And Man it's unlocked. Right. Yeah. So he, the officer enters the garage and sees the door into the kitchen from the garage, like garage door inside to the house, yeah. is left wide open. Which, nine times out of ten, people don't leave that door open. Like, you shut that door. Mm-hmm. Right? When he walks over, he finds the reason the door is open is because there's a body of an elderly woman blocking the door. She's lying on her back with her feet facing the kitchen. A gag made out of a folded towel, like a smaller towel, has been shoved into her mouth um, and appears to have, there appears to be a shotgun through the gag. Spoiler alert, this body is Eva Peterson. Mm -hmm. Um, She is naked from the waist down. Naturally. Her blouse and bra have been pulled up. There is a bullet hole in her right breast and a stab wound to her neck. There are multiple cuts around one of her eyes around her nipples and her right eye, made by a knife. Blood is smeared all over the kitchen floor. Um, it's, obviously that, it's obvious that she was killed somewhere else and dragged by the, the blood marks through the house. Um, and there's a, stab wound, there's a stab wound to her throat that proved that she was alive when that happened. And the cause of death was eventually determined to be a gunshot wound to the chest and head. After everything else. As this officer's taking in this, another officer's going through the house. And um, as they're going, they find a second woman located in the living room. Carol. Carol. She's in a nightgown. Her nose and mouth are covered in duct tape. But it's not like, not like, just, a, not like just a piece put over it. This duct tape has been wrapped so tightly, there's no way she could have been able to breathe. Yep. Mouth in and nose. However, um, unfortunately for Carol, because I, I think I would have rather just suffocate, she had been stabbed in the throat, which created a functional tracheotomy. Oh, God. Allowing her to breathe through that wound while she was duct taped and tortured. <laughs> Carol had a bullet wound in her right ear and three stab wounds to her abdomen, which I wish I could say that's, that's the end. Can you just say that's the But end? again, it's not. The um, half of her right breast had been sliced off, like you would slice a turkey, um, cutting it in half to where the silicone implant that was in there was exposed. 
and the silicone implant had been left behind. And this is about 20 words if you want to skip ahead, 30 seconds. Um, there were also stab wounds to her vagina. And her anus had been stabbed so violently that her intestines were coming out of the wound onto the floor. Yet the cause that of death was a gunshot wound. Disgusting. Yeah. He had a lot of rage against her. And we'll come back to them later because it's worse than you think. I'll just leave you there to ponder. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, sexual assault, while assumed, couldn't be determined initially because the bodies had been in the house for multiple days at this point, and they'd started to decomp. Um, so while they're looking through the house, they find a journal laying on the kitchen table with the um, last date entered as April 3rd, 1991. More than likely, that was the date that they died. And there are envelopes addressed to the victims from Philip Jablonski, writ- written to one of them, Miss Carol Jablonski. She never changed her name. Oh, I know. She, yeah. Oh, yeah. And another letter was found in the bedroom from Philip to these women. So after, you know, they collect all the evidence, they, it's, it doesn't take a Phi Beta Kappa to figure out who we need to look for. Right. Um, but they do diligence and all that. They do a computer search and... It shows that Philip received a traffic citation in Birmingham on April 23rd for failing to yield the right of way, which places him in the town on the day it's assumed the women were killed. Now, this isn't like a. Should that not have triggered the fact that he wasn't allowed to be there? Ding, ding, ding. He's, this, isn't a, this isn't a traffic cam. This is a human cop who stops and writes him a ticket. But. Says that there was, no, like, they ask him, why? Because, no, remember, he's on the run. On our society, right? Yeah. No, they said. Thank God, they, man. They wrote, now, they couldn't do, like, the automatic, like, license pulls and stuff at this time. I don't think we didn't have that capability. But he said, honestly, he didn't act suspicious. He was calm, just a regular guy. Chit-chatted, made some jokes while he was writing the ticket. Like, pleasant guy. There was no reason for this cop to hold him. At first, I was really pissed, but. I don't think they could look up stuff as often as they did now. Like, now it's not instant. They can scan your ID. Yeah, right? So detectives obtain, a surf, uh, blah, blah, blah. detectives obtain a search warrant for Eva Peterson's bank account and discover that a $200 check had been written from her checkbook to Philip Carl Jablonski, signed by Peterson. The signature, however, did not match Peterson's signature that was on file at the bank. Shocker. The teller at the bank where the check was cashed identified Philip Jablonski from a um, photo lineup as the person that came in that day. In addition to cashing the check, he withdrew $500 from his own checking account. And multiple people theorized the reason why the amount was so low is because they, he's trying he to say... He didn't want to draw attention yeah, right? to himself. So on April 25th, 1991, Philip is on the run. Yeah. Um, from Fanny Hansen, Carol, and Eva's murders. And ends up in Wyoming. So from California to Wyoming, um, he stops at a rest area, like one of those, you know, that I used to stop at all the time. Now I would rather pee on the side of the highway than stop at. Mm -hmm. Um, And there, um, as he pulls in, there's a woman named Yvette Shelby. And she's sitting in her car, working on some paperwork, letting her dog go to the bathroom, right? When Philip approaches her, he's holding a gun. However, he stumbles or... Butterfingers, I don't know. He ends up dropping the gun 
allowing Yvette to uh, put it in reverse and book it. She drives to the next rest stop and calls the police. He's on the run for three murders. He's already been given one ticket, right? Police show up quickly, and Philip's still there. They, the, the officer, you know, questions him about the incident, and he's like, listen. If this isn't the end of the story, I'm going to, like, lose my mind. Philip tells the officer, listen, I, I travel a lot, and the gun usually is in my car just because protection. I mean, I'm, I'm a sales guy, whatever bit he says. I travel, and it's, it's underneath my seat, and um, when I got out of the car, I must have kicked it, and it fell over, so I picked it up, and honestly, I think she thought I was pointing at it, but she's a single woman alone on the road, and she overreacted. Like Right, she's, yep, there you go. She must have been on her period. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not what happened. She's, she's just being dramatic. Right. And the cop bought it. Of course he did. And he was allowed to leave. The plates were not run. License not checked. He's just, you know, allowed. Yeah. Yeah, he's a two-time inmate on the roll for multiple murders and just, you know. In a genuine piece of absolute garbage. Have a good day, sir. You know how them women be? Bitches be crazy. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just thinking. You know that's what he's... Which, you know, in all, in all actuality, the, the cop didn't know, and it's easy, in hindsight, it's easy to judge him, right? Well, yeah. But. Well, yeah, because we have all the information laying in front of us. But the good so old boy. it's boys, so much easier yes. to just sit there and say, oh, my God, that cop is an idiot. Yes. But in reality, like, when you're facing a certain. How many times I mean? are women, women are hysterical. I, I saw, I was, I was on my back deck. Looking at the duck, we have one duck left, Marty, and I saw a baby snake, and I about lost my ever-loving mind, like, flipping out until I realized it was plastic toy. <laughs> but I still didn't believe it, and I was throwing things at it to make sure it wouldn't move. So, you know, tendency to overreact when danger's there. Got it. I would be that. I, I ruin it for all of you level-headed women. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. So Philip drives off, and um, he goes to a truck stop and meets Margie Rogers, 60-year-old lady just working. Really? Mm-hmm. Working to make her, you know, bread and butter. So according to Phillips, he shot her, opened her blouse, pulled off her bra, and fondled her boots, which is the only reason he killed her, because he wanted to cop a feel and play with her boots. Uh, just you know what? Tell me, hey, I can kill you and play with your boobs, or you can open them up and let and bounce a little. I'm jumping, right? (laughs) Seriously, there are options. You can go to a sex store and buy fake silicone ones, bro. You don't have to do this. Yeah, (sighs) that's the whole part of that. Like, yeah, but he he says the only reason he killed her is only reason he killed her is he wanted to play with some boobs. Uh, We we all know that's not true. So, but he, he did nothing else to her. He literally does, killed her, played does, with her yeah, boobs, and done. Sometimes people just like the act of murder. I don't know. That's what gets them off. I don't know. But her body was found on April 27th at the same gas station where she worked in Grand County, Utah. So, wow. He's, so he's, he's now in multiple California states. California to Arizona to Wyoming. Wyoming, and now Utah. Yep. Um, he left her body, 
breast exposed, and she died to two, from two gunshot wounds to the head. Okay. Police at the scene reported that it looked like the assailant was actually going to desecrate her body, but appeared to have been interrupted. They didn't specify why they thought that, but these guys have probably seen enough of these scenarios. Maybe the pants are askew. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe he just something, wanted to touch her boots. Him out. Yeah, something yeah. freaked him out and he ran. Well, it's a truck stop. People come and go. So, April 28th, 1991. some of these truckers? Yeah. If they got out and decided to get involved, I'd run too. I wish they would. Yeah, I would. Oh, I'm sure they probably would. There. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, a 60 year old woman. No, I'm saying that they that he turned tail and freaking ran oh, like yeah. a little yeah. piece of human garbage that he is. Unpleasant trees yeah. that he is. Yeah. So April 28th, 1991, Philip is stopped in Kansas now by a traffic officer. Mm-hmm. Again, runs a red light, does something, and the traffic officer finds out who he is. And he's actually arrested for parole violation. No. Third time's the frickin' charm. Why is it always like I don't know. That's so So since he's out of his 50-mile radius, he's arrested on this parole violation. Upon his arrest, the police officer finds $710 in his wallet, a $90 check written to him from Eva Peterson's checking. Right, oh, yep, mm-hmm. the, the dead lady. Along with all her credit cards. There is a small address book in his wallet, which contains name, which contains the name, address, date of birth for both Eva Peterson and Carol Spadoni. Beneath each of these names were written the words "Death, April twenty third, nineteen ninety one," and those the dates that they were murdered were not released to the press. No one knew that besides the officers investigating and, and the, the guy and that did it. Him. Yep. So I would think that's enough to link him, try him, and fry him, right? No. Well, if it's not, you can call me Billy Mays for this next section because, wait, there's, there's more. more. I love Billy Mays. I, I wish he hadn't died. He was the best infomercial person. Anyway. So the police find the blah, blah, blah. the police search the car and here's what they find. A loaded 22 caliber revolver under the right driver's seat. Yeah, which I'm sure that had nothing to do with anything, right? Uh-uh. A box of 22 caliber cartridges in the ashtray. Yep. Side note, these bullets, the bullets in Eva Peterson match the bullets in the revolver as well as the same shitty underwear. What we're, we're going through case okay, by case. Sorry. As well as the bullets removed, the, the same make and model, same make as the bullets removed from Carol's brain. Okay. But those were too damaged for a conclusive, like, 100% match, right? Right. Because there's always a way. Yep. There is also duct tape found in the vehicle, which matched the duct tape used on Carol Spadoni's head. Uh, homemade wire handcuffs and a taser are found. Yuck. A knife sheath, which was missing the knife, and the sheath tests positive for blood okay. when tested. So Probably the one he stabbed everybody with, right? just saying. Dead to rights. Yeah. But as Billy Mays would say, there's more. There's more. There is, um, there is also a black leather belt that is recovered from this car. Okay. On the back of the belt, 
written in ink, so it's permanent, forever there, like notches on a bedpost, are written the words. Carol Jablonski, which again, was not her name, 4-3-1991, Burlingame, California. Eva Peterson, 4-3-1991, Burlingame, California. So their name, the date they were killed, and, and the, the place they were that killed. was used. A handwriting expert did determine that the writing on both the belt and the address book were a 100% match to Philip Carl Jablonski. There were blue pants found in a travel bag that were stained with semen and human blood. The blood matched the victims, and the semen matched to guess who? I'm going to go with Philip. It did. You're right. I'm so good. I know. I could be a doctor. I know. I could do this. There's also a tape recorder in there. Because you know how he likes to record things. Mm-hmm. And on this tape recorder is Philip's voice, where he describes in intimate, graphic details of his crimes. He describes arriving at Carol's residence, sexually assaulting them. In the tape, he describes shooting Carol through the brain, describes the duct taping her up, stabbing her in the throat, slicing off her breasts, stabbing her in, his words, not mine, the ass and pussy. He also goes into details of shooting Peterson, how much he liked fondling her breasts and sodomizing her before he stabbed her and had sexual intercourse with her. Describes how he had a hard, how he had a hard time and eventually failed at removing her eyes. That's why there were those knife wounds around her right eye. But he stabbed her in his words again: the throat, the stomach, ass, and pussy. After killing the woman, he goes on to recount his day that he'd worked himself up into a frenzy. So he went to their kitchen, into their refrigerator, and made himself a meal because he was tired and peckish. Then he went into their bathroom and he took a shower using their bath products and then goes back out and decides, eh, time to put Eva out of her misery an hour later because she's been alive the whole time, suffering in the floor. What? And shoots her in the mouth through the gag. Um, Yeah, he just left her there. All that time he was doing it, he just left Eva there. So there's that, that recording. Um, the belt they found in the car with the names and date, the, you know, record he liked to wear on his body. Also had written Fatima Van Hansen, 422-1991, Palm Desert. Fatima's military ID was found in the car as well because besides being a mother of two and a widow, she was a veteran. The tape mentioned um, above also goes into graphic details of the sexual assault, murder, and mutilation of Fatima Van a.k.a. Fanny Hansen, the woman, the veteran the, yeah. that should have been allowed to die with dignity after raising her kids. Um, later on the tape, he also describes another incident at a rest stop where a woman and child, he found a woman and child and expressed his desire to rape and kill this woman in front of her child, but wasn't able to go through with it. This is different from Yvette because Yvette didn't have a child. He never mentioned her in the tape, so this is an example of is he a lot, is he just exact exaggerating the details, or is there someone else? Right, we don't know. The tape also narrates the murder of Margie Rogers, the fondling of her, and the killing of her, the sixty-year-old woman at the truck stop. So I want to pause here in my recount because I listened to, like I said, I listened to several different. 
podcasts and get their sources and go to their sources to supplement my sources. And there's one podcast that I listened to that made a really good point that I think is 100% accurate. So Jimmy and James um, discussed this case, and they think that all those times he was pulled over, all those traffic violations, more than likely 100% on purpose. And um, their argument, which I 100% agree with, is this. He had three encounters with police officers in five days. April 23rd, the traffic violation, failure to, to, to give the right away, yield to the right away. April 25th, rest stop incident, another cop. April 28th, pulled over for the traffic violation when he's finally busted, right? Um, so I've had one ticket in the past 15 years. We talked about it on the podcast because I was an idiot at traffic court. But after, <laughs> after I got that speeding ticket, I drove like a freaking saint. saint. I still yeah. do. So he's already gotten one ticket. You'd think he'd be careful. He's on the run for three murders, right? Right. Not only that, he knows he's got all this evidence in the back of his car that has him dead to rights. So you would think after the first near miss, quote unquote, he'd be more careful to avoid a ticket. So I'm going to sit here and say one A, like one A. Yeah. Either he wanted to get caught or it was a power it was, trip. It was the adrenaline running through his system. That he, he got off on the getting, fact yep. he could talk his way out of it with everything because if the first if the first pullover it was actually like he didn't mean to get pulled over with you know a bucket load of evidence of all these rapes and murders yeah would you not throw it just in case like that's a near miss oh yeah he kept it and continues on i think and i agree with that's what jimmy and james said and i agree with them 100% he got off on the fact that he could talk his way out of it yep. with everything sitting behind him it was fun to him it was a power trip. He was smarter than everyone else. Yep. And I, I 100% think that's, he'd have just kept on and he kept on doing stuff like running red lights or whatever else to keep talking his way out of it, make the cops look dumb when he's eventually arrested. Right. Because he knows that's going to happen. Oh, yeah. And that's like the funny part of it, too, is that's probably the sole reason he did it. Yeah. Was to make the cops look stupid. Yeah, 100%. Because he's already been in prison twice. Yeah. So he knows he's not above. Yeah. So like in his mind at this point, oh yeah, I'll do another, you know, couple of years and I'll be back out. Yeah. So um, went back and he, you know, goes back to prison, obviously. That's like disciplining a kid. Yeah, it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. they, you, like uh, House said it best. They have to believe you'll hurt them. Who said it best? House on house. On house. He yeah. said. You don't have to actually hit them. You have to make you make, make them, them believe you're going to. Yeah. Yep. So, but I'm sitting here and I'm just like, it's literally every single time he's been to jail. Mm -hmm. It's just a slap on the wrist and he gets out. Yeah. And it's, and these are not like these random, you know, loitering charges. Okay. It's not no. manslaughter where, yeah, I, I killed somebody, but it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't on purpose. This like, is rape torture yeah murder mutilation and theft so Ugh. um that's he why gets, i'm just like it, it literally it feels like like crappy parents yeah do better yeah so no, oh, that, go okay, ahead that's not, i'm not like ridiculing yeah, their, yeah, his yeah. parents no, i'm no, saying no. like well, I don't, do you well, remember Bobby, just don't do it again yeah you know like that's every single time yeah 
he's gone to jail, it's yeah. been pleasant. And he's got, like, he's like, made new friends. That's he what lies. I'm saying. Like, okay, he's had a nice experience every single time he's been arrested. Yeah. Every time he's been sentenced to any kind of time, the first time, you know, I have all my pen pals. Things weren't oh, that yeah. bad. I didn't do that long of a time, right? I get three square meals, got TV, got whatever, right? Yeah. And then the second time he gets arrested, same deal. I got a pen pal. Now I got me a wife, right? I can go out. And a my, hot mother-in-law. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm going to go out to my trailer, hang out with some people. Like, yeah. How is that? That's not jail. It's not. It's not. Like, I don't leave my house most of the time. Yeah. And it feels kind of like that. Yeah. Pretty much. Like, I don't want to leave my house, but I will if I have to, right? Eventually, you got to go get food. But besides that, I right. try not to be in the general but, pop. Like, okay, so do, you, do you know what I'm saying, though? Yeah, no, like, 100%. That's... He hasn't learned a lesson. There's been no consequences. None. Consequences. None. Not even just none. Uh-uh. Okay? But almost. He's gotten perks. It's, it's almost laughable. He's gotten benefits. Thank you. He's made that's lifelong exactly friends, what I'm trying marriage. To say. Yep. I mean, he's, he's done well for himself there. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about delusions of grandeur. Is, is, it, is it delusions honestly, if, honestly it, thought, if it comes through, though? Okay, okay. So maybe not delusions, but he he literally believed he had it made. He did. Yeah, whatever was going on in his mind at that moment, he thought, I'm untouchable. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to throw out an example, right? C. No, no, it wasn't CSI. I'm sorry. Criminal Minds. Yeah. Do you, okay. It was yeah. like one of my favorite episodes. Jamie Kennedy episode. Yep. And they were like, the oh, chili. somebody's, yeah, but how many times do you get pulled over? A hundred times. Yeah. They all do. So. It was the same thing with Bundy. Yeah. A hundred percent. All it took was one intelligent officer to be like, hey, man, what's in your trunk? Yeah. Like, Pop it. Yeah. Anyways. All right. So Sorry. you're fine. They bring him back to the station and at 1030 a.m. They okay. begin to interrogate him. Two officers. And they interrogate him from 10.30 to 2.30 p.m. These two officers made the decision together before they walked in there. Even when, slash if he asks for a lawyer, we're not stopping. We will continue to question him, continue to do whatever we have to do to make sure. Because their concern at this point is there a living victim out there trapped somewhere. Okay. So we don't care. We're getting the information. We no will do anything yep. except beat him to death, which I'm pretty I sure that could have been on the table. I don't know. So they start questioning him. He, uh, automatically, Philip asks for a lawyer. They continue on different t- different ways. You know, don't you want to get it off your check? Lawyer. Don't, don't you want to tell your side of the story? Lawyer. 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 Eleven different times he asks for a lawyer. Every attempt the detectives made, at one point even goes far to saying, listen. Nothing you tell, we, you have asked for a lawyer. Nothing you tell us from this point on can be used against you in a court of law. N- you're scot-free on anything you tell us. We just want to know what happened. One of the cops was even like, I'm from Burlingame. I want to know what happened in my town. I want to know what went down. Just tell me. Philip said, liar! Would not budge, would not cave, did not give an inch. And when they finally... um Asked him, the only thing he did state is that he'd done something wrong in Burlingame, an indigo. And when they said, what's going to happen to you? He said, well, probably going back to prison for life or death row. I don't know. So, um, 
Off to prison he goes, right? And guess what he does in prison? You know what? He makes friends. He you puts know, out an ad again I for think, pen pal. Um, I think that pen pals. This story should have been a three-parter, only because by the time the story is over, I'm gonna have a lot to say, and you're gonna tell me it's over, and then you're <laughs> gonna start being like, "Bye," and I'm gonna be like, "No." I nor our viewers want to hear your rant. I'll cut her off. Don't you worry. I've got yeah. a mute button. We're good. So um, he joins the pen pal program and writes a letter. In one of the letters, he describes in, again, graphic detail, the murder of Fanny, Carol, and Eva, which I'm not going to read the whole thing because we've already discussed it at nausea at this point. I went through the details of their murder. But I do want to read one part of the letter. And it's the part I said before that I feel like is the worst part of the murder, like absolute worst part of the murder. That hasn't been told yet. So, here's these are his words. In the murder of my fourth wife and her mother, my wife Carol died a slow death. I tortured her to death in front of her mother. Carol took the longest to die out of all my victims. So he bound Eva and psychologically tortured her as he made her watch him mutilate her daughter while she was alive, breathing through the tracheotomy he'd given her, rape her, and then murder her before he started to physically assault her. As a mom. Nope. Just that. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Nope. So that's why I said there's more to their story. Like, he he made Eva watch. And I don't even think, like, in my brain, the fact that it was about to happen to her was a not, was moot. That's her only child. Yep. You're just... So anyway. So, back to um, him. Uh, The state of Utah at this point has a decision. They have to decide if they're going to press charges. No, no, no. no. They have to decide whether or not they're going to chain him and drag him behind the truck. No, because he's crossed so many states at this point. Are they going to extradite him? I'm just saying it's the wrong decision. Right. So, state of Utah has to decide if they're going to press charges on the rape of the truck stop murder. However, since he's already been extradited from Kansas back to California, Utah decides they're not going to press charges against him. The prosecutor stated, and this is a direct quote, if there was any concern he would escape justice, if we didn't file, I would would be prepared to do it right now. But he's going to be in prison in California and will probably stay there if I filed or not. So there's no point in me wasting paperwork and resources when he's yeah, done. Yeah, let's give him to California. So California stated, their, their prosecution stated, our in-house thoughts, since California hasn't executed anyone since 1967, in my opinion, Utah has the best probability as you guys have executed people, and mm-hmm. we have not. Regardless of that, we have him back, and we're going to try him first. And the district attorney here feels like he has a good case. So basically, these two states are like, you want to go first or you want to go first? You want him? I want him. But you guys probably, you know, have a better chance of actually killing him because we haven't killed anybody in a while because we're all hippies here in California. But, you know, we got him, so we're going to go first, but you can have him afterward. I mean, basically. I mean, well, you probably shouldn't insult the people that might be listening to us. It's okay. They know it. They're all leaving there. (laughs) All right. For once, I was actually trying to, like, 
Yeah, I don't care. BPC? We both yeah, know. No, we don't care. Yeah. So September 25th, 1991, Philip enters a plea of not guilty. Sorry, I missed the charges. Um, July 14th, 1991, Philip is indicted and charged with the murders of Carol Spadoni, Eva Peterson, with special circumstances in the murder of Peterson occurred while he was engaged in the commission or attempted commission of rape or sodomy. In addition, multiple minor um, charges are stacked on. They call them special circumstances. The fact that he had a firearm during the commission of offense. Any felony, basically any jaywalking they could tack on, they tacked on to this indictment. Loitering. Caboodle. On September 25th, 1991, Philip enters a plea of not guilty and denies all special allegations and ends up pleading not guilty by insanity. Reason of insanity. Though he crazy goes, enough to do it, crazy enough to die. Just right. Saying. July 3rd, 1993, they end up suspending the proceedings to verify he is competent enough to stand trial. In December, it is decided, yep. You're competent, and trial continues. January 1994, jury selection starts. Now, if you're a real hardcore true crime aficionado, if you will, that's going to ring a bell for you. And if you're not, it's okay. I've done some research. And this guy has got to be one of, like, the top ten most just horrific. I mean, he's eating body parts, killing multi. I mean, he's awful, right? We can agree. But this case is not well known. And 19... My guess would be for good reason. Well, 1994, at the same time, there's a few other little cases going on. Little. O.J. Simpson. Yep. Jeffrey Dahmer. The Martinez brothers. Unabomber victims. Right before was... Right before this, his trial was Eileen Wernos. Nice. Charlize Theron played in the movie Monster. The Rodney King case filed against the LAPD. The Baby Miranda case. The Central Park jogger rapist case. Tanya Harding trials. And these are just the bigger, more popular ones. Right. So who's little Carl Jablonski with all these? I mean, these are all heavy. And some celebrities. Yeah, exactly. So at this point, apparently America was just a cesspool of ick. And it was the loudest one got, I don't know. I don't know. So the court's proceedings um, were exactly as crazy as you'd think. There are multiple doctors in and out. Multiple psychologists and psychiatrists in and out. Letters he wrote to Eva and to Carol and his pen pals all while in prison that were um, very sexually graphic of what he was going to do to them. All brought out and read in court for everyone, including the jury. It's argued back and forth that these letters should be allowed in if they're material, but judge says, screw it, they're in. A a psychologist or psychiatrist who conducted eight interviews with Phillips prior to the trial and diagnoses him again with schizophrenia testifies on and on about the childhood abuse, which was horrific, but you're, you know, you have a brain situations, all those situations are brought up. Basically, anything we can throw to get him off, or not not even off, there's no way he's getting off, but let's take death off the table. Right, right, right. yeah, I guess he should not die for his crime. 
Um, yes, every single psychiatric and psychological treatment he got from the time he was out of the army to current are all brought in and disclosed and told. You know what's just really funny to me? Yeah. Just super fast. Every, every animal on this planet. Right. If accused of killing a human, whether they were the animal that did it Put or down. not. Murdered. Uh-huh. Killed. Endangered or not. Yep, doesn't matter. Yeah. Sharks. We'll go pull every single one of them out of the water. Kill them all. Yep. Every leopard, every lion, every yep. snake, every, every, everything. Yep, they yep, yep. die. Yep, like, yep, just yep. freaking die. Uh-huh. And the best part of it is, is they don't know that they actually committed the crime. No. Until they open up. Yeah. Their intestines and stomach. Yeah. But this guy. They've know. dead to right. In his voice, in his handwriting. Yeah. But let's try to get him just life in cushy prison where he can make more friends, right? Mm. Okay. Um, every everything is disclosed. His violent history of sexual interactions with women were discussed in detail, trying to show a pattern. This is the um, prosecutors trying to show that this is a pattern. He's a deviant. He's violent. Um, they try to bring everything back. The defendant tries to bring everything back continually to the trauma of his childhood or mental illness. Blah blah blah. There are multiple, again, psychologists and psychiatric doctors, court-appointed, prison-appointed, VA hospital, all come in and testify about his mental illness, all giving excuses and reasons um, to try to get him out. However, one did say that while he did have a mental illness, it's not disputed, he does, um, and I'm paraphrasing, it did not mean that he was insane. He, just, he has a good long-term memory, he has a good recall, he could create a plan. He could execute a plan. So yeah, he's not right in the head, but he's not he he's not insane. That that was the argument. <coughs> Sorry. Also, one psychologist, which I thought was important, I thought this was interesting and dead spot on. You want my opinion? Which you're getting anyway because you're listening to my voice. Um, <laughs> describes that he displays malingering behavior, which we've talked about before. Malingering behavior is a nice fancy court term, which basically means he knows the symptoms he needs to show to be diagnosed with a specific mental illness. He's faking it. So the, the, the doctor who said he has this malingering behavior also states, to back this up, he has a history that does not show social isolation, which is a characteristic of schizophrenia. He could befriend people, meet and establish relationships with women, had good friends that he kept in contact with prison, long-lasting. He's faking it, which, hello, McFly, duh. But, in all honesty, the court cases and the testimonies and the witnesses, I could literally do an entire episode, like two-hour episode, going through all of that. But at the end of the day, I don't feel like it, it's worth our time because he's a monster. Yeah. And he should be put down. So I decided to just do a flyby. All right. And we're jumping ahead. That's fine. April 25th, there's finally a verdict. The jury convicts him on both counts of first degree murder and found true all special out circumstances except for one. On May 2nd, a final uh, sanity hearing is done. And on the 10th, May 10th, the jury says, You're sane. You were sane at the time of the murder. Seven days later, on May 17th, the penalty phase started and ended, leading us to a sentence, and they vote on it and say, so long, farewell, Avida, say you're dead, 
Yeah. <laughs> Um, that, I don't think that's how it goes. It but, is not, but no, I realize yeah. I can't sing the whole song, so I, that's cool. I improvised. I made it up. Vita saying goodbye. Yeah. Okay. Um, August 12th, 1994, the court denies his automatic motion for reduction of the death verdict or modification, oh. and his sentence of death on each murder is upheld. Five years on each fire uh, firearm enhancement were there, but those were stayed. Like, basically, they say you've got two death penalties. You've got all these years in prison we can tack on, but we're not going to do it. But in case you ever get an appeal where you get off the death penalty, all these years will be added to added to you because you're not. We don't want you out, right? Um, because at least if you can't fry your ass, you'll be here forever. Yep. Um, let's jump ahead to 2006 when Philip files a very large appeal. Oh my god. Yep. Yep. Stating. Six. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We knew each other then. Yeah. I was out of high school then. Yep. He states that uh, part of his appeal is that there were unauthorized personnel at the grand jury proceedings, which apparently there is a law for this. You're not allowed to have other than the specific people stated. But all these people that he are claiming are there are all deputy uh, district attorneys watching the trial for training purposes. So educational purposes, because this is what they're doing in the future, right? Mm-hmm. So while the indictment, um, so he wants the indictment dismissed due to, the, due to this fact, and there is a law, so the court agrees that, you know what, maybe they shouldn't have been there, but it makes no difference in the fact, so nope, try again later, bye-bye. Yay. Back to jail you go. Um, it's also, he also, I mean, he, he files a couple of pills. One, he says that they termed him a serial killer, and that was, never should have been used in reference to him. It's a media jargon and slang word that turns the population against him. But, I mean, how else would you want to classify yourself, A, and B, I'm pretty sure if we use the term serial killer or not, people hate you. Yeah, I was just going to say, where's right? the relevance in any of that? It's not. He attempts- like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that once you get locked up, your freedoms are gone. So, like, why does, he even, why for good does behavior. he even get an opinion? Right? He attempts numerous different angles on his different appeals, trying to get away from the death penalty. But none of that really matters because, ultimately, California's Supreme Court upholds the sentence, including the death sentence. Hurrah! They even have hurrah typed out. Ah. He does use the time on death row to, you know, start up writing again. Yay. Good old pen pal program. Asking for, and I'm not going to read his whole letter, but this is, this is his, this is direct quote. Open-minded, bisexual or straight, males and females wanting blunt, mature, and honest conversation to reach out to him and refers to himself as the death row teddy bear. What? <laughs> Uh, um, the multiple letters that he sent out throughout his time on death row can right. be found online. I would caution you not to read those as they will live rent-free in your head long after you bleach your brain. Um, along with the art projects he mailed out to people because he was an artiste. Nice. Um, unfortunately, even though... I the picture, cal- like, stick figures and freaking... Sorry. Yeah. Okay, bye. Um, unfortunately, California Supreme Court did uphold the sentencing of death. 
But on December 27th, 2019, at oh, he died in natural causes. 73, he was found unresponsive in a cell, pronounced dead within minutes, and it is assumed his death was due to natural causes, thus ending the horrificness that was Philip Carl Jablonski. And before you go on your rant, one last time, because I feel like it's important to state, he got to sit in death row till he was the ripe old age of 73, creating his art, selling his art, making new friends around the world, and the known victims that we know of are an unnamed Chinese restaurant owner, unnamed neighbors of his, a nine-year-old girl and a four-year-old sister, in 1968, Alice McGowan, his first wife, he attempted to kill her five times. Once while she was pregnant, she left him and was able to lead a full life. 1968, Jane Sanders, his second wife, whom he raped on his first date, violently beat and sexually abused her the entire time she was married until badass escaped after knocking him out cold with a frying pan. Go, girl. 1974, Marsha, who he raped and sodomized in her house in front of her children. 1978, Linda Kimball, his third wife, whom he murdered after attempted rape on her mother, and she left him. 1978, an unnamed female hitchhiker from Florida who he raped, murdered, and mutilated. 1979, an unnamed male hitchhiker, 15 years old, who he raped and murdered. 1979, a six-year-old boy he stole, raped, and murdered. 1979, an unnamed student at Lover's Lane who he raped, shot, and threw over a mountain. 1991, Fatima Van, a.k.a. Fanny Henson, a classmate at a community college, widow, mother of two, war veteran, raped, shot, and mutilated. 1991, Carol Spadoni, fourth wife, raped, brutally murdered, mutilated, and killed. 1991, Eva Peterson, his mother-in-law, who was forced to watch her daughter be tortured, mutilated, and murdered before being brutally tortured, raped, and murdered. 1991, Yvette Shelby, at a truck stop, attempted to hold her up at gunpoint. She was able to get away. 1990, Marjorie, 1991, Margie Rogers, a 60-year-old woman at a truck stop who was killed and fondled. And multiple others I'm sure we do not have names or faces or knowledge about. Families out there searching for their loved ones who have disappeared. All the while, he sat and bragged about it to his pen pals until he died of natural causes in his cell at 73 years old. And with that, I wash my brain and my hands of this filth. <laughs> That is the tale of Philip Carl Jablonski. Lisa's Googling on her phone, not responding. So I am because, okay, give me, give me two seconds. He was in San Quentin in California. Okay. Is where he was, he was housed and lived out the remainder of his life. Okay. So. Based on this quick Google fact, right, I, I, I asked Google how much money is spent on death row inmates per year. And the first thing that popped up, and I'm going to have to dig into this and actually look to see, but it says the additional cost 
of confining an inmate to death row as compared to maximum security prisons where those sentenced to life without possibility of parole ordinarily serve their sentence is $90,000 per inmate. Per inmate. Yeah. On death row. That's his whole life? That's the whole time he's there? Or per year? It's, it's per year. That's more than most people make per year. Right. And so I'm sitting here, like, thinking to myself, like, here's the scum of the earth. Uh Uh-huh. How many people in America sit on death row? Now, a lot of them, probably not not anymore, right? Because there's a strong majority of states who have gotten rid of the death penalty, which is, you know, that's on you, whatever. I'm sure it's just as expensive. Well, the deal is, is if you're going to... No, it's way more expensive because now you're just saying life without parole, But the deal is, get rid of it if you're not going to use it. No, here's don't my say you have death here's my the deal. death penalty and let them sit there forever. thousand dollars a year. Yeah, per person. Uh huh. Per person. Yet, uh huh. People in orphanages, adoption agencies, foster kids, mentally ill. I was just about to say that. How much do they get a year per person? Nothing. My cousin, remember my cousin, did Ten foster cents? care. Yeah, she got nothing. Yeah, like she went broke. So, we, we as a nation, no, no, probably as a world too. Like, let's be realistic, right? Care more for people that should probably die. Yep. Than the people who actually live a normal life at some point. No. And my thing is, is I, I can be on, on the fence with death penalty because how many times do they get it wrong? Like Sonny Jacob's husband that they I get that. I, I totally understand. But that. my thing is, they've got him on tape. He's got their possessions, their blood. He's written it down like 100% deads to right. And he we, did it. We have had this conversation. Just take times. him out back. You started talking about torture. And I'm sitting here thinking, you think that that doesn't go on in the world? It does. How many innocent people get tortured for not knowing anything and have to suffer through cruel and unusual punishment? Yeah. Right? Yeah. But then, because... One out of every 10 people, let's say, uh-huh. is actually innocent. We have to adjust the entire system for the nine who are insane. My thing is, is... And no, it sucks. It Either does, way, there's but, no good... There, that, no. There, there's just no good Here's answer. the deal. If you're a violent criminal, murder, rape, you get sent away to the murder-rape prison. What about people that get set up, man? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, you know what? There are certain people I think, like, this guy, just take him out back, do the world a favor, shoot him in the head. Be done with Agreed. it. But, the, uh, I mean, other people, like, just, if you're going to say you have the death penalty, do it in a reasonable amount of time, or just do away with it and say life in prison with no parole. You know right. what I mean? Like, like why are we going to sit here and And waste... have a special place for them Whoa! to go. I mean, and... you know, it's not even just that. Like, you are wasting so much taxpayer money. Every time they appeal. And they can appeal up to like a million times, right? Yeah. And it, uh, well. Unless you have stone cold evidence, you're done. Like, you're just done. It doesn't even matter if you have stone cold evidence. No, I'm saying it should be. Like, unless you can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that you were set up, the court system was rigged, which in in America, I don't trust Americans' court system. Absolutely not. 100%, obviously. No. So that is why I'm on the fence with a lot of death penalties. This guy, 100%, he did it. 
Hundred percent. Yeah. There's no question. Like at that I point, don't care at that point what happened to him as a child. It was horrific. Yeah. But you made your own decisions and you decided to step it up worse than yeah. what was and done they, to they you. Say, oh, so well, beyond reasonable doubt. I, you are so far beyond reasonable doubt with this guy. He recorded it in his yeah. own words. Details yeah. that only so unless he was at all these murders, watching through binoculars, hearing and seeing everything, guess what? He did it. I, I just like I can't even like I so much of this crap frustrates the crap out of me. Uh-huh. Like all these guys, you know. I mean, Bundy actually got executed, what, ten years later? Yeah. Right? After how many trials and appeals and this and that and whatever. We all knew he did it. Uh-huh. He knew he did it. He confessed to doing it. Mm-hmm. But we still, we, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Look for reasons to we, excuse it? No, no. We, well, it's like when a kid is misbehaving and you know it, right? And But he's you, tired. You're, you're still going to, cons- exactly. Like, there's always he had a, a long justification. Day. There's always that consoling. Yeah. There's like, good God, man. Like, what? It's everything. What? Your your yes needs to be yes, and your no needs to be no. If I tell Bella, eat everything on your plate, I'm not going to say later, well, you don't have to finish because I made your plate too full. No, if I told you to eat your plate, you eat your plate. And if you don't, that's it for the night. Yeah. Like, you're not going to get a snack. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to get another meal. Yeah. You eat what I made, and you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. Or you're just going to choke it down. I don't care. But this guy spent 25 years in prison until he died of natural causes. Yeah. Spent. 25 years in mm-hmm. prison. Is that total? No, that's, that include? Just, that's just from so, death so penalty. In a nutshell. You're guilty to. In a nutshell. That's $250,000 for your $90,000 estimate of death row. Per if year. it's real, that's just the first thing that happens. It is. But I'm going if it's to real, research that. $2.25 million. You're telling me there's nothing better we could have done than. Then extend the air that this man breathe, breathe, breathe. There's a lot. Yeah, we could pay for kids to go to college. There's a lot instead of picking the pockets of Americans. Anyways, yeah. look. Oh man, I lost my train of thought. Faith, you ruined it. Sorry, I did the math. No, it's fine. I... Wow. This this case was the fact oh, that this case is say. not more known. Oh, no, astounds. Hold me. on, hold on. So he got arrested. In the first half of the show. Uh-huh. The show. For this, raping this, the mother in front of her two children. Right. And then the whole, like, infant thing. Right? Yeah. Which. Shh, words. That I'm not going to. Oh, when he said if the mothers left the room, the infants were fair game? Yep. Yep, that one. And was released from prison. Uh-huh. Because people like that can be rehabilitated. They need a but my fine. Okay, fine. You rehabilitated him. What about when he murdered someone and got brought back to prison for the second well, time? Let me ask you a question. When? What? No, 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 no. Rehabilitation no, no. didn't work. Let's talk about real life right now. So I murdered a guy because I was mad. Likely, right? It happened. I can believe. And, I can see it. And I go to I go to jail. Uh huh. And they're like, Let's be honest. Can, you'd never get off for good she behavior. She can be rehabilitated. They would not think that about you. Shut up. This is a Let, nameless person along, that happened. Go along with this. Lisa's a completely different person and pleasant to be around. Gotcha. She can be rehabilitated. Okay, maybe not me. Maybe you. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. maybe. 
And Brian's running away before I ask his opinion on Lisa's yeah, sanity. That's okay. He wants to keep the relationship. Anyways, so this happens. Right? I am rehabilitated uh-huh. and set back onto the general public. Yep. But, but let's say I work at a gas station. Uh huh. And I'm like, oh, the drawer is open. Uh huh. I want the money. Yep. I'm short on cash. Are they going to be like, I think we can rehabilitate you. And, you know, if you just maybe give the money back, you can you can keep your job. There were so many times in his life that that happened, though. His second wife, whom he raped the first date, was a... was. I'm not talking... I know that, but I'm just saying... An individual. I'm talking about the populace. Yes. The populace would tell you, mm-hmm. no, sir, you don't get to keep your job. Depends, but yeah, nine times out of ten, that's what happened. Solid point. And then nine, 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 you know, nine times out of ten, that one person gets executed innocently. It goes both ways. It does. There were just so many times in his life he got away with it. Yeah, I know. And, you know. But did he get away with it because it was the right thing to do? Or did he get away with it because. Because he was sly like a fox? Was he sly like a fox, though? Or were, or were people not doing their due diligence? Both. Because all I, the women he assaulted that didn't report him. Mm-hmm. And you know what, guys? I'm, that's not even like a statement of like, you're weak or you're this. or you're, That's not that. No. I'm, I'm saying I don't think it would have mattered. It would. They, I don't think that it would have mattered. It wouldn't have, have but I think, I think he was smart and knew what victims to pick. Because his second wife that he yep. raped the first date ended up marrying, they had a relationship while he was in prison, and she was like his nurse or something. Yeah. She'd have gotten fired. Yep. So he had that on her. The second, when he, when he tried to rape um, Isabel. Yep. He waited till the baby was born and six months old before he went after her. Right. So he always had something or a reason for them to talk themselves out of reporting. Unless it was like Yvette where he just bum-rushed her at a, at, a, at a rest stop. She got free and she reported him. But besides that, he picked people who would not report him or had something to lose if they did. Right. So he was very, I think he was very smart in his victim choice. Because the deal is, like, you know, I hate it that everybody says it, but everybody talks about, like, how Bundy and Dahmer were, like, so attractive and debonair. Look up a picture of him. I'll post pictures of him. He didn't have that going for him. He was, he looks like the mountain inbreeders from West Virginia, like. (laughs) <laughs> Wrong turn. He, yes. He is not someone that you're like, oh, he, you know, he, like, talk his way out of, I mean, he just was not that guy. He was, uh, he looked like he was up to no good. Or could be up to no good. Look at him. Look at him. Ew. Yeah. Yeah. So you're telling me that guy, like, he can't buddy-buddy up to the cops? he almost kind of looks like this, like, a straight off the boat Italian guy. I don't, I, you know. But my thing is, is like even talking to the cops, it's not like he looks like a professional businessman. He looks like a slob. 
I think he was smart enough to talk his way and mentally manipulate people into letting him go or had something on them to where they kept their mouth shut. That's my opinion. And it's just the simple fact that he can be so smart. Anyways, well, you know, we have protesters and human I rights and things that we're not going to get into. A million times over. Over and over and over. But at least he's dead now. Nobody's ever going to see it. Yeah. By natural causes. For him. Painlessly in his sleep. I'm sure he's burning now, but. Oh, yes. You know what? Maybe that's why God <sighs> said, Vengeance is mine. Saith the Lord, he can do it better than we can. You ain't lying. I don't know, but hopefully that's my story and we're done with him and I am going to go woosaw and this might be like a next week Porky Pig episode for me. You're going to have to do something lighthearted. Yeah. Although you have to admit as horrific as this episode was, it doesn't touch last episode. No. The last episode with him, like I, I had to take a while. I had to, we had to stop and take some breaks because I was getting, look at, there are just some things I don't want to hear about. Yeah. And it's not, I will listen to it because I know that it, it happens. Yeah. But what gets triggered inside me when I hear stuff like that is so violent. Mm-hmm. And I know that one day, mm-hmm. if I ever witnessed it and I made my choice, I will also be sitting on death row. Happy. Happy. I will use the arts and craft that apparently they're allowed to have to right. make myself a medal of honor and wear it proudly on my orange jumpsuit. Yep. And if based solely on my opinion, they took everything away from me, I would wake up every morning and say, you're welcome. Yep. You're welcome. Hell, the conquering hero. Bye, 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 bye. Yep. <laughs> Doing my own parade. Oh, there you go, buddy. Well, I do. Right. I will recognize that we have done a lot of children recently. And uh, everything we've got in the hopper is pretty much child-related. So. I'm going to come up with something. We are going to do not children for the next at least one or two episodes. And we're going to take a little break-see breaks and um, have another light-hearted murder story. I don't know. You can't right, really. Light-hearted. Right? Yeah, you know? you're an idiot. Um, but we're going to have something a little different. And we'll, you know, I'll try to find something good. We need to bring back, like, the torturing methods and the things that we want to do to these people. Exactly. But then sometimes I think, like... There's been nothing invented bad what if, for what if, <laughs> Well, no. What if they trace our IP address? Things were crazy. Like, Oh, they can, but what if... said things, say you nuts. What if, what if, what if you get a crazy person listening and they're like, that sounds good, let's do that. Yeah, there's that, team. Like, well, anyways. All of, never mind. Anyways, all right. Y'all have a good night. I am sorry for the tell I told, but I hope you enjoyed the I'm telling not, of it. because y'all watch your backs, man. Uh, see see something, report something. Always, always be aware, oh, aware, 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 aware of your surroundings. Yep. And call 911 if you need to. Guess what? You're not well, after get... everything you said, really, does it matter? Yeah. Get, you know that what? Up, sorry. In Tell the United me. States of America, we are still allowed to have guns. It is our constitutional right. Go buy one. Yeah, actually, in some states, if you want to carry a sword on your back, go for it. I might do that. I might. Like that one guy? That would be so awesome. Cottingham, who was the ninja? (laughs) Yes. Yes. 
not funny though because he was he was weird, awful weird but he you know messed up the sort of anyways, anyways yeah, all right bye bye